We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. All right, welcome Bears fans to another episode of Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wires Bots. Of course, my name is Andrew Freeman, happy to be ho- your host today. And uh, joining me today, of course, is my co-host, UCA Koshal. We're recording this episode on a Wednesday here, November 2nd, following a very, very busy trade deadline that occurred yesterday, uh, especially for the Chicago Bears. And I don't know what you, you say, but this definitely felt like a much busier and chaotic trade deadline than we've seen in previous years in the NFL. And you know, honestly, I'm all here for it because it just makes the league more exciting. But before we dig into all the moves that the Bears made, and there were definitely some significant moves that we have to cover here today. How are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. Obviously, exciting time. Had a lot of uh, moves that were made. So, yeah, just excited to kind of get back into the grind of things and discuss it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's not bury the lead. Obviously, the Bears coming off a 49-29 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. We know what this team is, you know, dropping to three and five in the season. I think, you know, that leads us into a time where the Bears, you know, a rebuilding team, definitely looking to make some splashes here and some rebuilding moves to kind of get this team on track for uh, to clear up some moves, get some draft picks and clear up some cap space for next offseason. And that reflected itself in a very busy trade deadline for the Chicago Bears. So let's just recap all the moves that the Bears made here because, there were three key trades that the Bears made. Uh, when you're looking at before the trade deadline, before the Cowboys game even happened, uh, the Bears trade away Robert Quinn to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth-round pick next year. Um, in exchange for that, the Bears are eating pretty much all of Robert Quinn's salary. So the Eagles are basically getting Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick and nothing on their cap sheet essentially for this year. Um, Robert Quinn – end up cutting off the last couple of years of his contract. So he's one and done there in Philadelphia, helping them go on hopefully a Super Bowl run for uh, the NFC leading uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So Bears getting a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn there. 
And then we get to the trade deadline yesterday where there was a lot of intrigue on, you know, what the bears could do at the trade deadline. Would they look to add a wide receiver? Would they look to trade away guys like David Montgomery, uh, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, some of these veteran guys from the last regime who um, maybe not, may not be in the future plans for uh, this bears team under this new regime led by Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. Well, we got that answer on one of those players and that was Roquan Smith getting traded in a bit of a blockbuster to uh, the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for a second round pick next year, a fifth round pick next year, as well as AJ Klein, uh, who's a linebacker coming over from the Ravens now in this trade as well. Um, As part of that deal, uh, the Bears are eating the rest of Roquan Smith's salary for this year as well on that fifth-year option. So a uh, very interesting move there. But if you thought the Bears were done just trading away players, well, uh, they also were in the business of adding talent to this Bears team, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. when They made a trade later on in the day, uh, trading away their second-round pick. So the Bears' own second-round pick, not the Baltimore Ravens' second-round pick, in exchange for Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers adding some talent to the wide receiver room. So there is obviously a lot to discuss here, you said. Let's start off with probably the smallest of these three trades. When we look at Robert Quinn, that deal to Philadelphia. I think this is probably the simplest one to explain here. So you said, I'll start with you, man. What are your thoughts on the Robert Quinn trade uh, specifically? Um, and how do you think that changes the outlook of everything for this Bears pass rush moving forward? <laughs> Yeah, it changes the outlook of the pass rush because, like, you're handing the keys over to Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. But then on the other hand, I think there's the other half of this, which is the fact that this was a widely expected move, right? And what I mean by that is that, you know, you had heard trade rumors about Robert Quinn all throughout the summer, and then all of a sudden he's drawing that praise from Alan Williams, which the new defensive coordinator for the Bears, but the reality is that any defensive coordinator kind of in the NFL would have come out and said, like, Robert Quinn's a veteran leader, he's a team guy, he's a highly productive player, he's a player that you want in your locker room, he's a big culture guy. But I think the other major part of this is the fact that even if the Bears didn't trade him for a fourth-round pick, he still would not have been on the roster next year, right? You're talking about a team that needs to get younger in every aspect. And I think that Quinn being like 32, 33 years old wasn't necessarily someone who was ever in the future plan. So rather than cut him and save $13 million after June 1st next year, the Bears were like, hey, let's trade him, keep most of his salary, which is right around $7 million. And then we'll go ahead and we will you know, move on from Quinn, get the extra draft pick to get someone who's going to be under control for four more years. And the key thing to keep in mind is like the Eagles are paying Quinn 700000 this year, right? Which if you look at in terms of like contract numbers, that's roughly the same amount you would be paying a fourth round pick on a rookie contract. Yeah, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, it's simple for them, right? You know, they want to add more depth to their pass rush. Robert Quinn, He's had a down year so far this year, but he's coming off a year where he just had 18 and a half sacks. So he definitely adds a lot of juice to that pass rush. I, I certainly hope nothing but the best for Robert Quinn moving forward this year. I hope he does end up you know, going on a run here for this Eagles team because he's in a really good position where they can kind of use him as a situational guy. But from a Bears perspective here, I mean, you're right. We were This is a move that we were all expecting for the longest time. In fact, I know both you and I, we're questioning many times, both with our work at the Bear Report on social media and on this podcast, like why haven't the Bears traded Robert Quinn earlier 
than this? Like, why didn't they decide to do this earlier in the off season when his value may have been the highest, you know, did they risk, you know, maybe dropping his value a little bit uh, during the season when he did come off to a bit of a struggling start and wasn't the impact guy that we saw from him last year. And that's certainly a fair question, but I think it comes down to a couple things. You know, Ryan Pohl said in his statement to the media when explaining this trade that they wanted Robert Quinn here for the start of the rebuild because he was such a beloved locker room guy and a veteran presence. So from a locker room chemistry standpoint, I kind of get why they would want him to be here for training camp and the beginning of the season as they got this new regime uh, started off a little bit. But there's also a salary cap reason for that as well when you're looking at it where, you know, the Bears couldn't really trade him. Uh, I, I mean, they could have, but uh, they would have been eating all the dead money had they traded before June 1st. And by waiting till now, early in the season, later on in the season, that gave them more of an opportunity to eat uh, Robert Quinn's salary to make it a little bit more appealing to uh, an acquiring team. And it's just a simple fact that many teams probably weren't very interested in trading for Robert Quinn on that full contract, right? I think he's getting paid or he was getting paid about like in terms of salary, about 13, $12 million per year, which, you know, you would think for Robert Quinn, if he's giving you the production that he was giving you last year, that's a bargain. But for this year, that's well above what he's playing at right now. Again, like I said, I think Robert Quinn, he's probably best off as a situational rotational pass rusher type of guy, not as a full-time starter for you. And, you know, at that $12 million per year, $13 million per year, you know, salary that he would have had. Yeah. That's probably not going to be, not a lot of teams would have been really interested in that, even though there wasn't any guaranteed money attached to it. So certainly there's a financial component to that, uh, into that trade and, and waiting on making that trade. I understand that. I think a deal could have been done a little bit earlier probably, but in terms of, you know, is this the best or worst case scenario for Robert Quinn trade? Like, I think this is probably the best case scenario in terms of return. Um, again, it's going to be a late fourth round pick that you're getting from the Eagles because they are a really good team. They're going to be near the top of the standings uh, this year with how they're rolling right now. Um, but again, it's like you said, you're getting, you're trading away a veteran player who probably wasn't going to be here next year. He wasn't making an impact for this bears team this year. And you're getting potentially a player that you're going to have, you know, locked down for starting next year, the next four years um, on a pretty cheap, reasonable rookie scale contract. And if he pans out, uh, that gives you a really good value there. If not, I mean, you're looking at that extra fourth round pick, that's, you know, good trade bait to use on day three of the draft. We move back and get even more picks. We saw what Ryan Poles was able to do last year, trading back to get um, a bunch of day three picks and how some of those turned out to be some solid players. And look at Braxton Jones, Dominique Robinson, um, you know, getting some extra picks, you know, dark throws at the offensive line on day three, getting a punter on day three that, you know, Trenton Guild, who's contributing right now. So we see the benefit of that, I think, um, with that approach. So I have no problem with it. You know, I think expecting a day two pick for Robert Quinn is going to be rich anyway, even coming off the year last year, because the book is kind of out on Robert Quinn and what he is as a player. He's very streaky. He's kind of a one trick pony at this stage in his career. He's not a good run defender. He's not a power rusher. You know, he relies on guessing snap counts and using his speed and bend to win around the edge. And if he's not doing that, he really isn't offering you much. Now, in a limited role, that's very valuable. But as a full-time starter player, as a you know a guy who's expected to be an impact player for you, not much. So that's probably why the price wasn't a ton and why this deal didn't get done earlier. But, you know, they got a good return for Robert Quinn. And at the end of the day, now that that deal is done and they're no longer holding on to him, 
I'm satisfied with the way they've handled the Robert Quinn situation. I think if they would have held on to him, I would have been very annoyed with that situation in general. But they got something for him, and I think it's going to benefit this team moving forward here. Yeah, you're right. Certainly. Well, I think the interesting part about all this is that, like, you know, you kind of mentioned, right? He was by far the most experienced pass rusher on the team, but also it got to a point where there really wasn't necessarily, like, a future for him, but there was a role. There was a role because he was kind of the old head in the locker room, the most experienced guy, the oldest guy on the roster, but now, like, you look at it and you know, it just made more sense for the Bears to move on and basically get pennies for him compared to holding on to him. Because again, like the 13 million in cap space after June 1st next year, it's like, it sounds great, but then it's a double-edged sword because you're trading him now. So you're getting the fourth round pick, which is far more valuable, I think, than, you know, having the extra 13 million in cap space which ultimately knowing the way polls operates like there's going to be money left over next offseason sitting around that the bears are going to roll over into 2024 sports betting continues to take over the sports world and with fall right around the corner there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own tvs if you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the sign-up codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best sign-up codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the cap ramifications of it, the Bears are saving a little bit this year, but in total, what it's doing is it's saving about $10 million towards their cap sheet next year. So here's how it basically, here's what it, what it comes down to for the Bears. You know, for a veteran player who wasn't going to be on the team next year, who wasn't producing much for this for them this year, and who was eating up snaps for younger guys in the roster, such as Travis Gibson, uh, Dominique Robinson, two guys that I think, uh, need the future a lot more over the course of the second half of the season moving forward as guys you want to develop at that edge spot um, to get they basically what they did was they used him to basically buy a fourth round pick for next year to kind of help kickstart this rebuild um, for their offseason next season so that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, it it's a positive move for Ryan Poles I really like what he did here to to get that deal done um, and I think that's what we wanted to see from him moving forward with this new regime, you know, trading off some of these older veteran defensive assets, um, cashing in those draft picks, you know, saving a little bit of money for the future, and then hopefully reinvesting those resources on the offense. But speaking, speaking of moving off of, uh, you know, defensive players here, defensive assets, let's talk about the big trade that was, that went down that kind of divided. I think a lot of people on bears Twitter, it seemed like some bears fans were all for this trade, um, from the outset, um, and a lot of others were not um, because of the emotional attachment to this player. And that's trading away Roquan Smith for 
Uh, like I said, second round pick, a fifth round pick, and AJ Klein from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, again, this is a move that I think hearing Ryan Poles explain it, I think a lot of the points that he made made a lot of sense where, you know, contract negotiations, negotiations did break down between the bears and Roquan Smith this past off season. We don't have to go over how that entire ordeal went down. Um, and Ryan Poles basically said like, you know, for an off ball linebacker, the sense that I'm getting is that Ryan Poles and this new regime just doesn't want to pay an off ball linebacker, the price that Roquan Smith was asking for that, that $20 million per year um, AAV um, asking price with, heavy guarantees involved with that. I, I just don't think this new regime wants to do that, especially at that, at this stage of the rebuild. And, you know, Ryan P- Poles basically said like, you know, the franchise tag next year is going to be around 20 million, you know, not sure if that was something with, that we were really interested in. So, uh, you know, try to make it work through the first half of the season, see how he did with this new defensive scheme, new coaching staff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is probably the right move because if you weren't going to pay Roquan Smith, his best value to the organization is as a trade asset and getting some draft picks in return. And they got a significant draft haul here for Roquan Smith, a second round pick, you know, a day three pick here, and you're getting a, a basically another body in there at linebacker to finish out the season. You know, I, I'm not expecting much out of AJ Klein. He's kind of just a throw in for this trade, but I don't know. What were your thoughts on the trade? And, um, yeah, just what were your thoughts on this one? I mean, I wasn't surprised it happened. And and here's why. Because I was at Hallis Hall the day that Roquan Smith had decided to return. And there were a lot of questions, I think, about how much money he was making, how much the Bears had offered, how negotiations went, how they broke down. And let me just say this. There's people out there on Bears Twitter who are talking about how polls shipped Roquan Smith off because once Roquan went public with the trade request, it was kind of bad mouthing the GM and the organization. And that I think is from top to bottom in every way completely false because as a player, you have every right to go public with your trade requests, right? It's just there's a difference in the sense that with Roquan Smith, you know, the trade request was made public by the player himself specifically because he doesn't have an agent, which again, him not having an agent is a totally separate story because a lot of people fail to understand. Like you have your team on one side, you have your player on the other side, and you have your agent in the middle that's kind of bridging the gap between both guys, right? Or both sides, I should say. And ultimately, I think you have to look at the fit too, right? Roquan Smith is more of that like Patrick Willis type player in the sense that he was a perfect fit for what the Bears were doing under the 3-4 defense that they ran under Vic Fangio for so many years. And, you know, Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano, they had their connections. And then Sean Desai kind of came up under Fangio. And so that was really the entire formula. But ultimately the reality of the entire situation I think comes down to the fact that for the where the Bears were at, right, this was just something where, you, you know, Ryan Poles once again knew, hey, I can either stick it out with this guy during the season or I can go ahead and I can kind of ship him off and just call it a day and get the two picks in return. I think the Bears were more content with getting their two draft picks in return than they were with, um, you know, riding it out and losing him via free agency, which quite frankly makes more sense anyway, because if you don't make the trade for Roquan Smith, then you are not going to go ahead and you're in no way means going to have the extra draft pick to trade 
away for Chase Claypool. So effectively, I think like trading Roquan was something that gave the Bears a lot more flexibility than people are willing to admit. And by the way, this clip's going viral on Twitter today, but someone asked Matt Eberflus today about how, hey, when you were in Indianapolis about four to five years ago, did you feel like Roquan Smith was going to be a fit then? Did you think that, you know, he was a player you wanted? And again, I think Flus came out and basically dodged the question, right? When... In reality, if we're going to be fully honest, like Eberflus specifically said, like, look, I couldn't convince Chris Ballard enough to go ahead and draft a defensive player because the Colts were picking top five that year. The Bears were picking eighth. And again, Indianapolis did fine taking Quentin Nelson. The Bears did fine taking Roquan Smith because they got four to five years, you know, out of Roquan. But the reality is it's just like such a bizarre argument because a defensive coordinator rarely ever has a a say in who the team's going to draft. Like that's the head coach as well as the GM that are going ahead and making those moves and transactions. Yeah. You make an interesting point with uh, Iberflu's comments on the situation, on that situation. You know, I think the quote, uh, you kind of summed it up well, but I mean, the quote kind of goes like, you know, I don't think Chris Baller was in the mood to be convinced to uh, pick an off ball linebacker with where we were drafting. Um, And, you know, like you say, it's, it's a way to kind of dodge the question of, you know, whether he, you know, whether he was a guy that was a fan of Roquan Smith, especially at that spot. Um, but I also think it's kind of a subtle way of saying that, like, you know, when you're draft, when you're investing, you know, whether it's first round draft capital or salary cap space and, you know, players, you know, what are some of the positions that are valuable that you want to spend those premium resources on and, it's not off-ball linebacker. And I think that's a subtle way of saying that, like, you know, yeah, Roquan Smith, he's a very talented football player. He's done a lot of great stuff for the Bears. You know, two, two-time two uh, second-team All-Pro. Um, probably should have made a couple of Pro Bowls with the way he's played. Um, he's consistently among the league leaders in tackles. He's an impact player in coverage. We know all the positive things that Roquan Smith does. But, you know, does an off-ball linebacker, does that position have – the same value that an edge rusher does that a corner does as a wide receiver does, does, does it have the same value that an offensive tackle does? Um, and I think most people would say that, no, it doesn't like linebacker to a degree is kind of like the running back position on the defensive side of the ball, where a lot of these guys, you know, are replaceable. They don't make a ton of impact on the defense as a whole. And they're kind of reliant on the pieces around it because Roquan Smith is a player, like you said, probably a better fit in that three, four Fangio style of defense where he's a bit more protected by the defensive line, being able to, you know, take on blocks and two gap a little bit and allow him to run free sideline to sideline. Not the case here in, you know, Matt Eberflus, a more traditional four, three Tampa two scheme where he's, it's more of a one gap run defense where he's going to have to take on blockers um, in the run game and, you know, can't rely on having those big nose tackles um, eating up space. He can't rely on Eddie Goldman's and, and Keith Hicks anymore to kind of take the blockers for him so that he can run around free and make tackles all over the field. That's not really the system um, that he's – that's the system he's designed for. He's not necessarily designed for this system where he's going to have to take on uh, blockers at the line of scrimmage. And so you look at that fact, that how that factors into it. You know, linebackers are very much a product of, you know, the environment around them in terms of impacting a game. There are very few linebackers that impact a game consistently at a high enough level. 
I look at the Fred Warners, uh, what he's able to do in San Francisco, you know, Shaquille Leonard for the Colts, obviously Matt Abrams coached him up um, over there. We've seen him have a pretty consistent impact. You know, Bobby Wagner in his prime was able to do that. Uh, not sure if he's that guy anymore. He's not that guy anymore, but, you know, Levante David maybe in his prime was that type of player. He's probably not at that stage anymore of his career. Um, maybe Eric Kendrick with the, with the Vikings because of how good he is in coverage. But point being is there are very few linebackers that can impact the game consistently at a high enough level to be worthy of those high-end premium resources. We look at a first-round pick or – you know, tying up a bunch of cap space uh, into them on big contract extensions. I think that's really the main takeaway here is that the Bears, whether it be Matt Eberflus, you know, not seeing Rokon Smith being a fit for his system um, or Ryan Poles just not thinking that it's wise to soak up so much cap space in, you know, an off-ball linebacker when they're trying to rebuild this roster and, you know, try to reinvest these resources into other premium positions, especially on hopefully the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, what's the value in extending a guy like Roquan Smith? And I'm in the, I was always in the camp that if you weren't going to extend Roquan Smith this offseason, the only outcome, the only other move that you could do with him is to trade him at that point because, you know, Letting him walk in free agency for nothing isn't a wise strategy because you're not playing the comp pick game. You know, you just you're just not the Bears in this situation. They have to spend next offseason, so they're not in a position to just let him walk freely and pick up a comp pick for him. That's just not gonna happen. Um and you know, if you're gonna play the franchise tag game and game and just go back and forth with it, like you're just stuck in the same situation that you were in this past offseason where Roquan Smith, you know, he's gonna demand top of the market linebacker money and you're going to go back and forth on a contract situation. It's just going to be another distraction for a team that's, you know, trying to clean slate from the last regime and try to build a foundation moving forward. So you just can't have that sort of distraction uh, for your organization, just for an off ball linebacker who let's be honest, isn't going to be impacting a game as good as Roquan Smith is like we've, we've seen it this year. There are many games where he's just not very impactful out there because of the nature of the position and also who he is as a player you know, not being the best at taking on blocks, not being a huge asset and run defense in this type of scheme um, where he has to take on blocks. That's just not his game. So, again, um, I, I think there's a lot that goes into that. But I think you made another good point here and explained that uh, because of this trade for Roquan Smith going to the Baltimore Ravens, it did open up the opportunity for the Bears to get aggressive here, giving them extra draft capital to make a move for adding an offensive weapon here. And that offensive weapon was Chase Claypool, like we said before. Um, and like I said before, the Bears trading away their own second-round pick instead of the Baltimore Ravens' second-round pick, presumably because the Packers were also offering a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, and the Bears had to kind of make their offer more enticing because, let's face it, Bears fans, like as bad as the Packers have been this year, the Bears are probably going to be a little bit, a little bit worse record-wise than the Packers this year. So I, I thought that that was a pretty interesting move. Um I'll, I'll start with your thoughts, you say, because I got some – I got into a bit of a firestorm on Twitter because of this, uh, because, you know, I made the point that I think this is a pretty much an overpay for the for the Bears here, going after Chase Claypool with the second-round pick. I'll explain that moving forward, uh, but what were your th- thoughts on the trade? You know, did you think this was an overpay, or do you think the, the value was just about right here with Claypool? I mean, it's a bit of both, right? Like, you look at a player who kind of – when you look at the numbers – He's really only had, you know, true wide receiver, like three production. 
And so naturally, when you kind of look at that, right, you're like, okay, well, this is one of those where, you know, you get the receiver, right, that you need for Justin Fields, or at least something that's better than, like, Dante Pettis and Byron Pringle and certainly Valus Jones Jr., who's another point of discussion we'll be talking about at some point down the season if he doesn't get it together. But I think in general, right, like, I would have been more content with giving up a third or a fourth, but the Steelers weren't going to do it. Now, you, I think people have to understand something. The Steelers' offense is about as dysfunctional as it gets, right? You're talking about Claypool's rookie season where, again, he popped off, and I think he was on his way to becoming, you know, one of the better, younger, emerging receivers in the league. But then you look at 2021, his sophomore season, and he really struggled simply because the quarterback was, again, worn down, and it was clear it's time for Ben Roethlisberger to move on and then you look at this year you know and why is production down because they don't have an offensive line in Pittsburgh their running game suffering because they have no offensive line they can't really play that old school brand of football and then the old friend Mitch Trubisky throwing Chase Claypool the ball you have George Pickens getting most of the attention Deontay Johnson's getting some attention so Chase kind of became the odd man out now I ultimately look at this and I say that it's still a team-friendly deal from the sense that you do have a young wide receiver under control for another year and a half. And so, which bodes well for the Bears, because, like, at this point, you don't need, like, a star Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase throwing in the passing game for Justin Fields. You don't need Justin Fields throwing to one of those guys. You're not going to get one of those guys at the trade deadline, but you can roll the dice on a low-risk, high-reward guy like Chase Claypool, and that's exactly what the Bears did here. So is it a move that, you know, a lot of people think is going to pop off in a big way? Probably not. Does it add some stability for Justin and the offense moving forward? Yeah, and I will say, right, like this is Ryan Poles betting on himself. And he said it in his presser on, you know, Tuesday afternoon, he's like, hey, if this fails, like I know for a fact it's on me. You know, and I hate to break it to people, but like what you're seeing at Hallis Hall right now is not anything that, Ryan Pace did this is all the Ryan Poles show and so when the 2023 offseason rolls around in another like two months basically I don't want to hear from people that like this is you know give Ryan Poles a pass like no he's setting the Bears up for either success or failure and he has to prove himself because the pressure's on him now more than anybody we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Yeah, Pulse is definitely putting his stamp on this team now. I mean, we've seen it. He's moving off all the old regime guys. He's bringing in his own guys. And there's clearly a path here of how he wants to build his team next offseason. Um, when it comes to the Claypool trade in general, though, I'll say this. like, I'll say it again. Like, I think this was an overpay in terms of the draft compensation because I, I look at this, the Bears are probably giving up a top 40-ish pick here. I, don't, I, I think their record isn't going to be great at the end of the year. Like, They've had some, they've been competitive this year, but I think what we saw in the Cowboys game is going to be a little bit more of the norm moving forward where I think this defense is going to struggle throughout the second half of this season uh, because they trade away you know some of their better players and because I think they're going to be playing some better offenses as well. Um, but you know if Justin Fields can continue to play like he has over these past few weeks, like that's fine because this offense is going to look a little bit more functional and you have something to build off of for next year. And I think Claypool definitely helps in that because, you know, what has this receiving core missed? Obviously they're, obviously they're still missing that true number one alpha guy. Right. And that, that's probably not something they, they can address. Like you said, uh, at the trade deadline here, it wasn't probably something they were going to address this off season, given how everything has played out. Um, but what they can do is kind of fill in the gaps of this wide receiver room right now you know, Mooney is more of that number two wide receiver. I think Claypool ideally is more of a number two wide receiver. He's kind of been a number three for the Steelers over the past couple of years. Um, but where Claypool kind of fits in this offense, the way I envision it is he's kind of that true X wide receiver on the boundary where he's going to be running those go balls, you know, comebacks, uh, back shoulders, you know, in breaking routes on, you know, deep digs and crossing routes uh, where he can use his speed to his advantage, you know, kind of be that, you know, deep threat, jump ball guy, you know, contested catch guy on the outside that this receiving core is really missed because, um, you know, Equinema St. Brown, he's had a nice year for, you know, a guy who got picked up for a minimum contract, but he's definitely not that X wide receiver that can be a difference maker. And Claypool, while there are some, you know, flaws in his game uh, for sure, which is one of the reasons why I think this is a bit of an overpay, you know, he, he much better fits that X mold than, um, anybody else on this roster? I mean, just look at his athletic profile. He's six foot four. He's two hundred and forty pounds. He can run a four or three forty. Like this dude's an athletic freak. So the Bears are kind of betting on the upside here, and they're betting on him kind of returning to the form that we saw of him in his rookie year, where he legitimately was really good, really dynamic weapon for that Pittsburgh offense. You know, even those stats looked fine in his in year two. Like you said, it did kind of taper off for him a little bit in year two. He started to see some flaws in his game, but. Like you said, how can you really evaluate the guy as a player when he's playing with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger and then he's getting Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett this year? Both guys are just not very good quarterbacks. Um, and Matt Canada, his offense is a complete train wreck, by the way. Like, uh, If you thought Matt Nagy was bad as an offensive coordinator, go look at a Pittsburgh Steelers game and watch the way that offense operates. Like That, that is next level bad, the way they're operating there. Um, they were using Chase Claypool as, actually as a slot weapon for them this year and Claypool is just like I, – I just don't think he's the best fit as a slot receiver um, at this point in his career. Um, but in terms of like the downsides of this trade, in terms of you know what worries me a little bit – I shouldn't say worry me, but you know concerns for if it were to go badly, why would this go badly for the Bears? You know, you look at it, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best organization in football at drafting, developing, and evaluating wide receivers, right? They, they, they're the gold standard in the NFL – Every single year, it seems like they're able to, or every couple of years, they're able to draft a gem at wide receiver. Like getting into, I can go, I can list a bunch of names for 
Steelers organization going back to all the way back to the seventies with how good they've been at evaluating that position. Um, but you know, for them to draft Chase Claypool and then quickly have him fall out of favor for that regime to the point where they were willing to draft two wide receivers in this past draft and then trade him this year in the third year of his contract when he's still relatively cheap and he's still young and he's still athletic and he's still, you know, he was productive from a statistical standpoint last year. The fact that they were willing to do that kind of tells me that there may be something missing here with Claypool that maybe we're not seeing uh, from him. There have been some rumblings of, you know, just maturity issues maybe. Um, I I don't want to go too far into that because a lot of that is just what we're hearing in general and not something that I necessarily can say with 100% confidence in. But there's a a scenario where there is something missing with Claypool and he doesn't live up to this. And again, when you're giving up a top 40 pick, like that's a very valuable draft pick to give up for a guy who hasn't really lived up to his potential yet. So the Bears are kind of banking on him returning to his rookie form and capitalizing on his potential that he does have. Now, in terms of like why I don't think, even though it's an overpay, I still think it's a bad move. In fact, I think it's a pretty good move overall. Um, because, yeah, the, the market for wide receivers right now is a bit inflated, and the market for Claypool is inflated because uh, the Green Bay Packers and their desperation for a wide receiver kind of upping uh, the draft pick compensation here um, for Claypool. Um, but I will say, like the Bears, when you look at the position they're in, like like, he, like we mentioned before, like the Roquan Smith trade getting an extra second-round pick from Baltimore allowed this deal to happen uh, because – you know, now the Bears, like, yeah, they're giving up a top 40 pick probably, but they still have a second round pick to work with here. It's not like they don't have anything in that second round area. So they still have an ability to get a player here um, in the second round when we get to the draft next year. Um, so it's not a complete loss there. Um, and then when you're looking at the financial component of this, uh, Claypool, I think his cap hits for uh, next year, it's going to be like just above 1 million because the signing bonus is taking out of it. So you're getting a guy who's going to be here from a salary cap standpoint, really cheap. And the wide receiver class next year for agency isn't very good. We can talk about probably some of the rookies uh, coming up for this wide receiver class and whether the Bears should invest in them as well um, moving forward. But, you know, you know, because you overpay, I, I guess the one more negative before I, I finish on a positive note for this, but I guess one more negative here is that because the Bears have overpaid for Claypool, they're probably going to have to pay him an extension at the end of this year, going into this off season. Um, and Claypool is probably going to off ask for a lot here. And that's also going to raise, raise the price for Darnell Mooney's contract extension. I, I would assume as well. So th- those are probably, those are some of the negatives to kind of deal with. Those are some of the drawbacks of this deal, but you know, what have we been saying all offseason? The bears need to start investing on the offensive side of the ball. They need to start getting some weapons for Justin Fields. And because they are starting to do that and they're starting to showcase some confidence in Justin Fields and his development, I don't mind this move whatsoever. I think it can work out for the Bears quite a bit. And, you know, I think this is a good situation for Claypool to kind of come in and develop here. I think this is a good scheme fit for him. So I'm cautiously excited about the prospects of Claypool here, even though I do think it's a bit bit of an overpay, um, like I said. And time will only tell how this pans out. But, um, yeah, the Bears completely reshaping this roster at the trade deadline here. A lot of players on the move. Um, a lot of draft picks being exchanged here. So with all these trades in hindsight now, looking forward to the future here, now we have to look forward to the 2023 draft and you know how these trades impact the 2023 draft because the Bears now, because of these trades, they have a first-round pick 
the second round pick via Baltimore now, a third round pick, two fourth round picks, two fifth round picks, um, no sixth round pick because uh, they traded that away, uh, I think, in the Jeremy Grant deal from last year. Um, and then they have a seventh round pick and quite possibly they might be getting a seventh round com- compensatory pick. I'm not sure if that's a hundred percent verified or not, but that's potential as well, but they're at least having one seventh round pick as well. So that's the draft situation for the bears right now. So now that the dust has settled, you said, how do you think the trade deadline moves have impacted the bears draft plans for 2023? If at all. Well, I think the key thing to keep in mind is this, and let me take a step back. You know, for next year, the Bears have picks in rounds one, two, and three. They've got two fours. They've got um, two fifths, and then they've got a seventh round pick, right? They don't have a sixth because, again, they acquired a 2023 sixth round pick when they traded Khalil Max to the Chargers last year year in March. And then what happened is they traded that same 2023 six round pick back to the chargers during the 2022 NFL draft to have the rights to select at 254 and 255 overall in the 2022 NFL draft. But what it does is this is it moves your needs up and down the board, right? With all these extra trades, all these draft capitals. Now, if you were to ask me last week, on Monday or Tuesday, hey, what are the Bears' biggest needs? I would have told you it's wide receiver and pass rusher, right, going into the 2022 draft. And you could argue their offensive tackle too because we don't really know if Braxton Jones is a surefire thing or not, right? So for me, what this ultimately comes down to is this, is that you don't necessarily have to take a wide receiver in round one now. You could shift your focus to investing on defense such as a Will Anderson, a Jim Carter, or Brian Breezy, or you could go ahead and you could add someone to the offensive line. But with that said, you don't know how the draft board is going to shake out, right? And so if what happens is the fact that a blue chip player like a Jackson Smith and the Jake, but wide receiver from Ohio State, or someone like a Quentin Johnson wide receiver from TCU who's been on the rise, one of those guys starts slipping, then you absolutely pull the trigger. And two things. Number one, you can never have enough wide receivers. And number two, anytime there's a blue chip player like that, you go ahead and you make the move. I mean, take it back a couple of years, right? The 2020 NFL draft, you had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Jamar Chase was in that class, CeeDee Lamb too, I believe. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb, let's be honest, like you and I remember doing that podcast the pot, this same podcast that year, we were all projecting those names to kind of go within the top 10 picks. We thought there was going to be a big run on receivers and quarterbacks in the first round, followed by offensive tackles, right? But CD slipped all the way to 17th overall pick. And at the time, you could have said that wide receiver wasn't necessarily a need for the Cowboys, but they went ahead and pulled the trigger on CD Lamb. And I think it worked out really damn well for them so it's one of those situations where it's like wide receivers not a major priority but if the board falls in a way where a smith najigba or a quentin johnson or a jordan addison start falling then guess what you continue investing in your quarterback and you draft one of those you just draft a receiver in general because 
people also have to keep something in mind, right? Is this like, look at the Chiefs. They shipped out Tyreek Hill. They were content with McCole Hardman. They drafted Sky Moore. And then they went ahead and they basically flipped a third, and I believe it was a six-round pick, to do what? Acquire Kadarius Tony. And why Kadarius Tony? Because Tony was at one point viewed as one of the future core players for the New York Giants, but he didn't mesh with the new regime. And so Andy Reid basically said, and Brett Veach, the GM, they're like, oh, this guy's Tyreek Hill 2.0, basically, right? May not be as dynamic of a playmaker, but he certainly got the speed. Let's go out and let's add to our receiving corps. And they basically got him for pretty, pretty cheap. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I'll touch on wide receiver in a little bit here, but in terms of like how other positions may be impacted by these uh, these trades, I'd say the edge rusher was always going to be a need for uh, this team in general because you know they get the state of this roster. Like, I don't think Robert Quinn fit into their future plans next year at all. I think he was going to get cut if he didn't get traded uh, next year anyway, so he wasn't going to be around. You know, you have Alkani Muhammad going to the final year of his contract uh, next year, and. Again, he's, he's a role player. He's kind of just here to kick start the reload a little bit. He has some young guys like Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson on the roster who have flash, but I don't think you're counting on either of those guys being, you know, true number one, you know, alpha impact pass rushers for you off the edge. I, I just don't think you, you don't, you don't, you don't see them that way. Um, you know, if, if that does happen, like that'd be nice, but ideally those are guys that you factor in as rotational pieces for you moving forward who can maybe be, you know, low on starters, you know, number two edge rushers for you off the edge, potentially if they develop the right way. But at the very least, they're rotational pieces for you. You still need that number one alpha edge rusher. And if that guy falls to you in this draft, you know, this is a pretty talented, you know, edge rusher class, at least from what I've seen in the early scouting reports that I've seen uh, so far and from what I've seen personally watching some of the tape. Um so that's going to be a need for them at the top of the draft, I think, in the first or the second round that they could invest in that edge rusher position. I think linebacker now becomes even more of a pressing need for this defense moving forward because now next year you don't have any linebackers that you feel good about on this roster. And certainly Eberflus could look to uh, invest in free agency to fill this void. You know, his old guy from uh, Indianapolis, Bobby Okariki, is going to be a free agent next year. I think that's probably going to be a guy that they target in free agency um, and there are some other linebackers that are pretty solid as well in free agency that they could invest in. But, you know, I, I'm excited to see because Iberflus is a linebacker coach by trade. That's his background. So I'm excited to see what he has in mind for drafting a linebacker and 
now the door is potentially open up for him to draft a guy at day two, maybe uh, with maybe some high end athletic traits to kind of bring in and develop a little bit and see what he can do. Um, you know, a guy who fits better in the mold that Eberflus wants in that linebacker room. So I think that certainly impacts this as well. Um, but in general, I think this gives the Bears more ammo on day three to maybe move back, uh, maybe move up a little bit uh, to address some needs moving forward. And, you know, it would have been nice to have two second-round picks, but now uh, with Chase Claypool in the, fold, in the fold here at wide receiver, like you said, the wide receiver position, it's still a pretty significant need for this Bears team, but it isn't the glaring, desperate need here that it was looking at looking like going into this offseason where Darnell Mooney is still your only solidified guy in the roster. You know, Phyllis Jones has proven nothing to you as a wide receiver as of yet as a third-round pick last year. And, man, this wide receiver class in free agency is not very good. Like, there are some slot options I think could be solid. When I look at Jacoby Myers, uh, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is a pretty slot, solid slot option as well. Um, Alan Lazar from the Packers, you know, if you know if Luke Gessie wants to – um, bring him in as a guy he has a, rela- a relationship with, but I'm not I'm not a huge Alan Lazard guy, uh, to be honest. So that doesn't really get me excited. So the, the wide receiver options for the Bears and free agency aren't great next year. So Claypool is basically like a free agency sign that they can bring in. It's, you're, you're taking a swing there because you're not in love with your options in free agency. But I still think wide receiver should be you know a pretty high priority for. Uh, this team in the draft because I mean you, you brought up a good example with the Cowboys drafting CD Lamb like they had Amari Cooper on the roster they had uh, Michael Gallup on the roster they had some other talented receivers on the roster as well when they drafted CD Lamb but it just goes to show that you know you never you never want to be in a position where you have too few weapons on your roster I would rather have too many quality weapons on my roster than too few weapons because when I have an abundance of weapons it just makes life for my quarterback easier. And the only challenge then comes in, how do I balance the targets here to make sure that all these weapons can get involved in the offense? And I think if Luke Gessie is a good enough offensive coordinator, I think he can manage that. And if Justin Fields is a good enough quarterback, you know he'll be able to spread the ball around and get all these guys involved. So I think first round in the first round, wide receiver should still be a high priority. So if you feel good about a Quinton Johnston in the first round down at TCU, like I, I say take him. If you think Jackson Smith and Jimba can be that slot option for you to round out this receiving core, I say go ahead and take him in the first round. Uh, Jordan Addison maybe can maybe fill that role. You know, I, I I'll, I'll, if there's a first round value for a wide receiver that you really like, I say go for it and take the chance because you can never have too many weapons. And it's about time that this organization start you know investing in this team where the offense comes first instead of the defense. And I think you know I was a little bit worried that this regime would you know, fall into the same tropes of Bears regimes in the past where it would be defense first instead of offense first. Um, but, I, you know, I'm glad to say that it seems like they're starting to get to the point where they're starting to reinvest these resources from the defense to the offensive side of the ball. And I hope that continues in this next year's drafts with wide receiver. Like, I, I'd still be pretty disappointed if they don't draft a wide receiver high in, within the first three rounds of the draft next year. I'll, I'll say that because it's still be moving forward. Um, you never know what the contract situation is going to be for Mooney and Claypool. Like one of those guys may have to leave in free agency uh, when their contracts are up. And I would just like to have as many weapons as possible for Justin Fields. But hey, that's just me. That's just that's just my brain talking there. Um, but you know, speaking of Justin Fields, let's get to previewing uh, to, in this podcast 
Uh, this upcoming Bears game uh, between them and the Dolphins at home here. So the Bears coming back home for this game after back-to-back games on the road. Uh, you say it, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for this game? Um, you know, who are what are some of the storylines that you're looking out for? And who's your X factor for determining the outcome of this one? Yeah, well, I think the X factor is a bear secondary, right? You're facing Tyreek Hill as well as Jalen Waddle, as good as of a wide receiver duo that you're going to face all season. I think Tua Tagovailoa is kind of playing with a chip on his shoulder, especially with all the critics that have kind of come in and really criticized him. You look at Miami, I mean, they added Jeff Wilson. They also went ahead and they added Bradley Chubb. Now, whether or not he... Chubb ends up playing this weekend I don't know but the Dolphins are going all in on a championship this year because they believe hey this is our window this is our time we believe we can rise to the very top right so the reality is the major storylines for the Bears are going to revolve around what the defense is going to look like but the Bears have made it very clear that this is not about Roquan Smith anymore we're going to move ahead and whoever's playing is going to play which it actually bodes well for the Bears let me add on that Roquan Smith's not on the roster because you do get these younger guys like a Jack Sanborn that are getting a chance at possibly starting taking a crack at the starting lineup getting those additional reps they would not have gotten on the offensive side of the ball it's going to be all about hey can Justin continue to put together strong performances because there's a couple things to keep in mind here right Number one, the argument that Justin's holding on to the ball too long is certainly valid. But also at the end of the day, the key thing to keep in mind is that he has to hold on to the ball too long because no one's getting open downfield, right? And he's trying to hope someone gets open, but then when no one gets open, he has to all of a sudden basically take off and use his legs more than you probably would like to think, right? So... This game, I think, is going to be about, and we don't know yet if Chase Claypool is going to play, but this game is going to be more so about just continuing to get the passing offense underneath the feet of Justin Fields because the reality is that the numbers may not show it, but the Bears are still a pretty run-heavy team. At the end of the day, though, they've started to kind of shift that offensive philosophy a bit more each week and say, hey, Justin, we're content with you throwing the ball more and more because we feel like this is allowing us to slowly turn you loose. Yeah, I think we're in lockstep here for what the major storylines are in this game. I agree. I think the X factor is the secondary. The Dolphins have probably the most dynamic receiving core in football. When you look at Tyreek Hill, who's probably the best wide receiver in football right now, when you factor in just how dynamic his speed is and how impactful that is. Uh, Jalen Waddle's no slouch either. Like, Jalen Wilde's really good as a number two wide receiver. He'd, he'd be the best receiver in the Bears right now, that's for sure. And he's their secondary option. You have Mike Gusecki at tight end. Um, and Mike McDaniel, the, the head coach of the Dolphins, has done a fantastic job here. And Tua, is, to his credit, is playing really well within the structure of this offense um, when he's been healthy and out there and distributing the ball to these playmakers, playing point guard, making good decisions. Um, the offensive line for the Dolphins has been better this year with some of their additions there. And – you know, that Mike McDowell coming from that San Francisco system, you know, he's going to have that run game going as well. But I think the key is going to be the secondary. Can they slow down Terry Kill and Jalen Waddle? It's a t- it's it's easier said than done. It's a really tough ask because those guys are just so unstoppable and they get open so easily. Um, it's going to have to be a group effort. Not one guy is going to, going to shut them down. 
Um, they're going to have to work on it as a unit to really do a number on those guys. And if they don't, like, uh, this game could get ugly quickly because those guys, if they get the ball in space, they have the ability to go from uh, – to take the ball and score from anywhere in the field. So that's just something to keep in mind uh, with those playmakers there. On the offensive side of the ball, I am excited to see what the Bears do with Chase Claypool to incorporate him into the offense. I don't expect him to have a huge role in this game because he is going to be new to the playbook a little bit. So um, do they try to have a little bit of a package for him if he does play? Is he going to be a guy that they try to maybe do some gimmick plays with to kind of get him in rhythm a little bit? Um, you know, those are some of the things I'm looking for. Um, and then can Justin Fields continue to, to – continue that momentum of the way he has played the last few weeks because he's played legitimately good uh, these last couple of weeks. Um, he's looking like he's improving. It looks like he's developing. He's getting more comfortable in this offense. So I want to see continue to see him taking those, step forward, those steps forward. And if he can do so, I think regardless of the outcome of this game, um, it's going to be a positive step for this Bears rebuild uh, moving forward this season. So to end this thing, you said, what's your prediction? What do you think the score is going to be for this one? Yeah, I think the Bears end up losing um, 31-21. to 21. I say that because the defense not exactly top tier. I mean, it hasn't been top tier all season, but it's significantly taken a step back. And then I think that the Dolphins' offense is just too much to handle for Fields and the Bears to kind of keep pace with. Yeah, I agree. I have the Bears losing 35-24 to 24, um, for many of the same points. Like, this Bears' defense is not a good defense. Uh, let's just be real here. Like, they benefited from playing some bad quarterbacks early in the year, but we saw against Dallas last week that when they play a good offense with competent quarterback play, um, this defense is going to struggle. We saw that against the Vikings when we played when they played them. How this offense struggled, we saw that against the Packers for the most part in that game where this defense really struggled other than a couple of fluky uh, mistakes that led to turnovers for the Packers, which was not caused by the Bears. Um, but the Dolphins, they have one of the most dynamic offenses in football. Two is playing well. They have these weapons. Uh, Mike McDaniel is an awesome offensive head coach, um, an awesome play caller. He's going to you know, have things dialed up that the Bears probably aren't going to be ready for. And it's probably going to be another game where the Bears, if they have a chance, they're going to have to win this game in a shootout, which is honestly something I'm looking forward to because um, we want to see Justin Fields sling the ball. We want to see this uh, offense continue to open up a little bit. And I'm looking forward to that because I'll be, for me specifically, because I'll be at the game on Sunday. So I'm excited to go watch uh, these guys live and um, really looking forward to this one here. But yeah, I, I had the bears losing this one 35, 24. I think it's going to be more of a high scoring game once again, but ultimately uh, you know, the bears just won't have enough bodies to stop this dolphins offense and just not enough juice, even though they have improved on offense the last few weeks, just not enough juice on that side of the ball to keep this one competitive near the end. So uh, that's, those are our thoughts for, uh, the upcoming Bears-Dolphins game, and that's going to wrap it up for us here at Pixar Polls, recapping a wild um, trade deadline week here as this Bears roster just looks a lot different moving forward here for a variety of reasons. Um, for all of our listeners here, thank you for tuning in to today's podcast, and um, I want you guys to uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to us here at the Bear Report and on Blue Wire Pods. Um, subscribe on all podcasting platforms for us here. Make sure to follow us on social media as, as well. Uh, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report and Pixter Polls at Pixter Polls on Twitter. Uh, you said, where can our listeners uh, follow you on social media and find your work? 
Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Cultural. Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. Absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow there. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AGFreeman25. You can also find my work at the Bear Report as well. And with that said, Bears fans, uh, looking forward to another weekend of football here. Uh, the Bears team is a little bit different, but that doesn't mean our fandom is different here as we're always looking for uh, an exciting Sunday afternoon when it comes to these Bears game. And I'm looking forward to it personally, going to be at the Bears game on Sunday. So with that said, I hope to see some of you guys there, Bears fans, um, at the game. And until next time, Bears fans, have a safe weekend. Have a fun weekend. Stay safe. And, of course, bear down.